All right. If you have a Bible with you today, I want to invite you to find Colossians chapter 3. All right, we are continuing to look at some more uh, core foundational things in our Christian walk. Okay, foundational things in our Christian walk. If you have missed any of these messages, I would actually encourage you to go back during the week and catch up. I do think that a lot of what we're talking about is incredibly important. All right, it's, we just talked about this idea that um, with the lack of Sunday school, Christian education, whatever it would be, there are a lot of core things in our beliefs that we maybe don't understand as well as we think we should. All right, so a couple weeks ago, we walked through like the Apostles' Creed and how core some of those things that are listed in there are. And, and so what's, what, what makes someone a Christian? What makes one denomination maybe a Christian? And, and so often people are like, okay, is that denomination over there? Is that church? Are they Christians or are they not? And we're like, okay, well, how do we define that? What does that look like? And too often, Christians have this idea that the church that I attend, we are going to be the only ones in eternity. Everyone else is wrong. All right, and that is not the case. All right, like there are so many things, like this is so much bigger than us, but we spend time fighting over really small little things instead of focusing in sometimes on what we believe in the core and foundation of it. So today, uh, I actually want us to take a week and we're going to look at the idea of worship. Okay, like what is it? Why do we do it? Is it necessary? All right, so I, I want us just to make sure that we are engaged with God this morning, uh, almost as if we're like sitting on the edge of our seat just saying, God, what do you have? What do you have for me today? I am excited for this. I want to hear from you. All right, so with kind of that expectation in our mind, if you are willing and able, would you stand with me? I want to read uh, a passage that we're going to look at. And then uh, we will continue on here. So we are in Colossians chapter 3, and we are going to start in verse 12. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as a member of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Jesus, we just ask, uh, Lord, right now that during this time, you just begin to move in our hearts, each one of us. God, that you would stir things to the surface that maybe need to change areas of our life or, or attitudes that we have that are incorrect and, and really stopping us from, from pursuing you with everything we have. God, we pray that that would just come to the surface during this time, that we'd be able to remove that and just engage with you even more. Jesus, we ask this in your name. Amen. All right, you guys can have a seat. Nathan, can you bring my mic down just a hair? Uh, I, all right, I think for many of us, when we say that we are going to talk about worship, uh, we probably think about the 30 minutes of singing that we typically do on a Sunday, right? Like that's probably where our mind goes right away. Uh, and that is part of it, but it, it really goes so much beyond that. 
All right, when you look up the definition of the word worship, um, if you look it up in like a, a dictionary, it's going to say something like along the lines of giving honor or reverence or adoration to a deity of some type, to a God of some type. All right, now here's the definition that I have for us today. All right, worship can happen anytime we are serving and or glorifying God. Okay, worship is actually incredibly uh, broad. It moves beyond just like an event. It isn't constrained by a single medium or time frame. Worship is less of this event. It's more of a lifestyle that we live. When you go to work and you do what Colossians 3 says, and you work as unto the Lord, you glorify him with your work, and you represent him with your work ethic, with your diligence, with your attitude, then, then that can be worship when we do it correctly. As you go to school, you can worship God with the way you approach your learning, the way you interact with your teachers, the way you treat your classmates when you are uh, pointing to God with your words and your actions, when you're glorifying him, it's worship. When you're at home and, and husbands, it says, love your wife the way that Christ loved the church, which means laying down your life, everything, when you do that, you are glorifying Jesus. You are pointing to him and you are worshiping him. All right, so are we sort of kind of getting this picture of how, how broad the term worship actually should be compared to maybe the way that we've thought about it? Uh, and I can say in this definition can be because our attitude while we do these things, it, it matters. Okay, and we're going to talk about that later in this message. All right, so I wanted us to start here to kind of think of this type of idea when we talk about worship because um, if we don't understand the large scope of what worship is, then we are going to really discount everything that it entails in our life. All right, so this is the first thing we need to understand this morning. All right, the second thing that I want to kind of point out and spend some time on here uh, is that there's a difference between what we would call individual worship and communal worship, Okay? Uh, and if you've been part of the church here for a few months or more, uh, you've heard me say this before, uh, that in the Western world, we focus way more on the individual than the communal. This is in our everyday life, but especially in our spiritual life. We have turned so many things that were meant to be communal into an individual thing. Like communion, you know, the name should give it away a little bit, like is communal. It's not this individual moment just between you and God and is my heart right right now. Baptism is not just an individual moment between you and God. It is, it is something that a community is coming together and being part of. Like There are so many things that we have made individual that should be communal. All right, And so here's the thing. Individual and communal worship are both essential to the Christian walk. Both of these are essential. Uh, and I'll have uh, kind of a, a little bit of benefit of both of them uh, at, listed as we kind of go through here. So I know some of you are like taking notes. I had someone send me a thing once where it was uh, a funny little meme being like, when you're trying to write down something real quickly and the pastor moves on too fast. All right, and so real quickly here, we're going to move to another slide. So memorize that. All right, individual worship is great. And it's probably something that many of us are engaging in uh, without even realizing it, all right? Now, I gave some examples earlier of what this can look like in our life uh, with work and school and family. Uh, but here's the great thing about individual worship, okay? It allows us to leverage the unique way that God made each of us. 
This is what I love about it, okay? We get to utilize the things that we love, the things that we are passionate about, uh, and that we are good at. Like, I, I love music. I like playing music. I like listening to music. I like singing along with music. This is an outlet for me to take my passions and give God glory. Uh, I'm also a little bit of a perfectionist in certain areas of my life, all right? And this can be a negative at times, okay? 100%. This can be a negative, all right? But when I am doing my best, when I'm really putting everything I can into something, I feel like in that moment I am honoring God by giving it my all. And so even sometimes those kind of little negative quirks that we have about us, when we understand them and we utilize them in the right way, we can glorify God. Now, some people will talk about how they like absolutely love nature and being outdoors, all right? So when they spend time taking care of, of your garden, all right, and, and you are putting everything into it and you want it to look as good as it can and grow the best plants that it can, and if you want to honor God with this garden, that is worship. And, and that might sound weird, but... You know, what's funny is actually that gardening is like the original worship. Like actually, if you want to go all the way back to the beginning, the very first thing that was worship, God creates, makes the garden, he puts the man in the garden, the woman's created, and it's tend to the garden, cultivate the garden. Okay, like that was their purpose. That was how they worshiped God. The attitude in which we do anything is going to determine whether it's worship to God or not, okay? Because just because I go and pull weeds in the garden doesn't mean it's worship, all right? But when I, when I just say, like, God, you made me passionate about my garden. I want to make this the best that it can be because that reflects who you are and the creation that you initially made. Uh, and I'm going to be intentional about this time in my garden as it draws my mind closer to you, draws me closer to you, that, then that is worship, That example is gardening, but, but replace it with anything that you're passionate about. We might say exercising or hunting and fishing or, or cleaning or building things. Like we might say, God, you, you made me someone who loves cars and working on engines. And this is not me, okay? What I try and do with a car is never worship, all right? I'll, I'll just put that out there. All right, but for some of you guys, like you're in there, you're working on, on an engine and you're like, I want to do the best that I can do and I want to pay attention to the details of this car the way that God pays attention to the details of my life. In that moment, as you're doing this, as you're working with your hands, this can be worship when our attitude is aligned with him. So individual worship, personal worship, it's great because it allows us to glorify him by intentionally engaging with who he made us to be. We spend way too much time trying to change who we are because we'd rather be like someone else and we want to have the gifts and the passions that they have and we see the way they worship God and we say, I want to do that instead of saying, God, this is who you made me to be. I want to leverage that. I want to focus on you. He made you that way for a reason. It's honoring to him when we engage with that. It also allows you to worship at any moment in a countless number of ways. Now, there are some potential traps that we can fall into here, though, when it comes to individual worship. As we worship God through things that we are passionate about, if we aren't careful, we begin to worship the creation instead of the creator. All right, well, 
What do I mean by that? Let's go back to our idea of, of nature and being outdoors. When we are intentional in our attitude, we can focus on God and glorify Him in that time. If we aren't intentional, we can just begin to love to be outside so much, to, to do yard work, to go hunting, that, that we are actually solely focused on those activities and what they do for us and how they make us feel. And we begin to just glorify whatever our hobby is instead of glorifying God through that hobby. And this is so easy to do because it's what everyone around us is doing all the time. It's way easier to glorify ourselves through our hobbies than God. All right, and some of you might even be thinking through things you like to do and asking the question like, okay, how do I glorify God through this? Like, that's great. You should be asking that question. That, that's what every single one of us should be doing. That is, that is what is going to help change our attitude in some of these areas. And then thinking hard and being intentional and being creative to glorify God with the way he made you. Another potential pitfall in individual worship is it, it sort of puts the focus on our own desires and passions. And if we aren't careful, this becomes very selfish in nature. It looks like, well, I can only worship God this way or at this time of the day or this day of the week. All right, And worship at its core is all about God. Remember, it's about serving and glorifying Him. It's all about Him. So when we start to make it about our own desires, we have lost the key element of worship. Now, on the other side of individual worship is communal worship. And in our lives, uh, this needs to be a both and and not an either or. All right, And communal worship is simply when you worship God together with other believers by engaging in the same activity. Okay, and so for most of us, communal worship happens uh, maybe on a Sunday morning. Or maybe for teenagers, it's happening on a Wednesday night at, at youth group. Or maybe it's at a life group or, or some type of community where you're gathering together with other believers. All right, and this is what communal worship is. It's joining our words and actions together with other believers by singing or learning together or doing service projects together, by giving together. All of that can be worship. And something that makes communal worship hard, but so worth it, is that we no longer get to decide for ourselves how we do it or when we do it because it has already been agreed upon in some type of way in time. And that's, that's good for us, though. And this naturally takes out some of the selfishness because we don't get our own desires anymore. In a way, for communal worship, we, we are told like when we're doing it and how we're doing it. Now, the difficulty is that some people might feel like they don't, they don't ever get to engage in communal worship because the way it's being done isn't something that they enjoy or they're comfortable with. But remember, when we start to make it about ourselves, we really are no longer worshiping God. Music and singing might not be everybody's favorite thing. All right, I get that. I know quite a few people that do not feel comfortable singing where other people could potentially hear them. All right, they're like, I don't want even the person next to me to hear. And if the dog hears, it's going to start to howl and it's just going to be bad. All right, like you, trust me, you don't want to hear me singing. That might be your attitude in this. All right, but so side note, this is, this is part of when, when we make decisions, you know, in our church, like, the, these types of things go into, the, into music, the way we do it, and even, even the volume that music is at. 
Okay, I honestly go back and forth on this, and I struggle with some of this. On one hand, I think it's absolutely beautiful to hear the entire church singing together and lifting up one voice. Like Those are just some of the most beautiful moments. They really are. I also know for some people, if there's any chance that someone else is going to hear them, they're absolutely not going to open their mouth at all. And, and so we're always trying to kind of ride that fence and that balance a little bit. And we try to have moments of both, moments where you can feel comfortable to sing and not worry that others are going to hear you. Um, and uh, besides, our worship is for God and not for other people. And, but at the same time, have moments where you know, the band can come down and, and the, the voices just kind of lead out and we feel this communal aspect of it. Recently, I was over um, actually at, at Lake Geneva in Alexandria at a conference uh, and we were leading worship at it, and it was this really cool moment where we're, we're doing different things, and we get to this one song that, a little bit of an older song, a lot of people know, and we started on this song, and I'll tell you what, um, Lydia Peterson, Pastor Kyle's daughter, was leading this song, uh, she's a teenager, and pretty soon, like, she couldn't hear herself sing, because the voices in the room had overtaken the band. Like, it was, it was awesome in this moment, to just have this like incredibly loud, this one voice singing together, and you're like, wow, this is, this is amazing. Um, and, and those types of communal moments of worship are so important. When we think about singing songs and worshiping, like some people are like, that's just, that's not my thing. Or, you know, let's be honest, it's the area of the church that often receives the most criticism, or people have the strongest opinions about you might not ever open your mouth during worship, but you have opinions about it. <laughs> All right? And everyone has their own style that they like, but again, that, as soon as we start walking into that, we're making it about us. So either people have strong opinions about how to do it or strong opinions on whether they want to do it at all. All right? And Well, the problem is this. Like, we actually see in Scripture that this is a way that we should worship. We aren't given tons of directions in how to worship God necessarily, uh, but this is one of the, the ways that we are given. You know, as we read earlier, Colossians said, sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. Psalm 95 says, I come, uh, says, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come to him with thanksgiving. Let us sing psalms of praise to him. We have scriptural precedent to be doing this. And that's not just for some of us. And, and I also think that for, for the people that don't enjoy singing or music, like this actually could be a more meaningful way for you to worship. All right, and I want to explain that a little bit. Let me give you an illustration. Uh, let's say that my wife Emily and I, our anniversary is coming up, and we both love pizza. All right? But let's say that she loves Indian food and I do not. Okay, this actually has some backstory. Our relationship started on a lie. The very first date, I cooked Indian food for her because I knew she liked it, and I pretended that I loved it. And it was like four years later that I was like, I don't. Now, things have changed, and I do. Okay, so let's say we both love pizza. She loves Indian food. I do not like it in this illustration. And I'm going to get us a reservation for our anniversary. Which restaurant is going to mean more to Emily and she is going to feel like I am loving her more by getting a reservation at the place that we both love 
or the place that I don't really care for that much, but I know that she loves it. She's going to feel more loved with a reservation at an Indian restaurant because she knows, wow, he was really thinking about me. He was kind of putting anything that he wanted aside in that moment, and he was thinking about me. So when we spend time singing together, and we think about worship that pleases God, you might have an idea that comes in your mind with someone at the front of the room with, with hands raised and, and eyes closed and tears rolling down the face and just belting out all these songs. Understand that for, for some people, that's, that's how they connect with God. That's something that they love, and maybe they just, you know, they love music in general. And I would almost make the argument here this morning that when you're looking at that person or you have someone in the back of the room that does not want to sing, this is their least favorite part, but they open up their mouth a little bit and just begin to sing along with everyone else. Which one of those might actually mean a little bit more? I'm not trying to actually weigh those out and say this doesn't mean anything, but just think about that. The person who is engaging with a way that they love to do anyways because they're going to hop in their car and they're going to turn the radio on and they're going to sing at the top of their lungs and they're going to be crying because they love this Taylor Swift song and oh, it means so much. It reminds me of a breakup in middle school. You know, like, they just, they love music. Which one in that moment is a little bit more self-denying, a little bit more saying, God, I, I want to engage with you the way that, that you've asked me to, in a way that's going to mean something. And that's the beautiful thing about communal worship. It allows us to put our wants on the back burner and focus on God regardless of how it makes us feel. And we do it together with other believers. Now, the same thing could be said about the second half of our service. Because here's the thing, as we join together and we sing in the first half of the service, that's worship. But as we open up God's word together and we dive in and we begin to learn and we begin to grow, that absolutely is communal worship. And for most people, out there, you might have a preference of which half of the service you like better. All right, that uh, I'm not even trying to make any like type of big statement with that. I just think we might say I really engage, and so some people are like, I can't wait until we open up God's Word. I love that part. I want to sit here. I want to take notes. I want to do this. The first part of the service, meh. Leave it. Take it. I don't really care. You know, or you have someone else who's like, you know what, I really hope every week that the pastor's going to get on the microphone and say, you know what, let's just keep singing. We're not going to do anything else. Let's just go the whole service. We're going to keep singing. And that is like, Jesus has returned for them in that moment. They're like, yes, let's sing for an hour and a half. Yeah, they love that time. For that person who loves that time and the second half of the service, maybe they don't engage with as much, understand that when, when you sit on the edge of the seat and pull out a notebook and you're engaged and you're taking notes and you're saying, yes, God, what do you want to speak to me today? How can I change? How can this be different in my life? Even though that's not your favorite part of the, of the service together. That means a ton. 
Because we're denying even just some of our own selfish desires and, and things, and instead we're focusing on God. We're focusing on Him. Both of these times are worship. When we learn together and, and pursue after God and, and in His Word, that is worship. All right, so I want to make a couple statements here that, that I think we need to understand today. The first one is this, like, true worship doesn't focus on how it makes me feel, but how much my actions glorify God. It's sort of like Pastor Aaron's point last week. She said this, and I, oh, I loved this. I thought this was beautiful. She was talking about our church having varying beliefs, that we know that in this church, we have people all across the board. We are not all from the same background, and we, we hold some different beliefs on things. And she said this, um, I'm going to kind of paraphrase it, but she said, the more diverse we are in our beliefs, uh, the more opportunity there is to disagree with each other and fight. All right, And the harder it is to love each other. Okay, like the more diverse your church is, the harder some of those things are going to be. But the more it can glorify God when we choose to actually get along with each other and love each other. Right, like there's a greater opportunity to glorify God the more diverse the church is. Because we can love each other despite differences, despite disagreements. Instead of just saying, well, of course it's easy to love everyone there. We all believe the same thing. We all have the same opinions. I don't get annoyed with them. Here's, here's another statement. The less we enjoy the medium of worship, the more it allows us to deny ourselves and focus on God. Now, I, I want to kind of, I'm swinging the pendulum. I want to kind of come back on this and just say, like, this doesn't mean that we should not enjoy worshiping God. Or that we, you know, like, that we should always be like, oh, I really hate this. Okay, I guess this is my worship. Um, but I think moments like these do help us to keep the focus where it should be. It's way easier to get lost in our own emotions when we really enjoy something and to forget and, and not be intentional with what's happening. So I, I have a twofold challenge for us today, and then we're actually going to close by going back in, and we're going to, uh, we normally sing like, you know, three, four songs at the beginning of a service. We've kind of moved a couple of them to the end here. Uh, and I want us to just kind of take this time and, and engage together. But a couple of challenges for us. First is this. How much time do you intentionally spend worshiping God each week? And, th and this does not mean music. This does not mean singing along with your favorite band, you know, type of thing. How much time are you intentionally spending worshiping God through whatever that would look like. And intentionality is key here. And, and this, remember, this means not just partaking in your favorite hobby, but actually using our passions and desires as a way to thank God for who he made us to be and, and bring honor to him by serving and glorifying him. The second one is this. What parts of communal worship do you need to adjust your attitude and engage with on a greater level? What does that look like? You know, and I'll just, I'll give us three, four, really fast, just from a Sunday morning, okay? Engaging with other believers. Spending time singing to God. Giving of our resources and finances to God. Spending time 
in his word, challenging ourselves and growing. That's just from a very fast Sunday morning perspective. There are so many other ways of communal worship as well. But what area do you maybe need to have a little bit of an attitude adjustment and say, God, I want to engage in this more than what I previously have? I think the attitude thing is is massive. When we look at at Cain and, and Abel, It says this, it says, when it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his. This made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. And the story goes on, Cain kills Abel. Cain's attitude was just to bring whatever, whatever he had to God. Didn't really matter what it was. Abel's attitude was, I want to bring the absolute best, the first of what I have. When we gather together, are you bringing your best in each one of these moments to God? When you're living your life throughout the week, are you bringing your best? Or is your attitude attached to what songs are sung? Or who is leading you? Or or what church you're attending that weekend? Because that's making it about you again. Not God, who can be worshipped with all different types of songs and all different styles and in many different churches. Worship team, if you guys would come at this time, why don't we kind of stand as we uh, go into just the the ending of our service together. I'm focusing on attitude, but it it is more than just that. It's it's our character. It's our demeanor as well. And uh, I want to go back to the passage that we read at the beginning. And this gives us some examples of what our attitude, our character, of of what any of these things should look like. And so it said this, and I want you to think about these characteristics that are laid out here. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy. I love that phrase, tender-hearted mercy. Kindness, humility, gentleness and patience make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you remember the Lord forgave you so you must forgive others above all clothe yourselves with love which binds us all together in perfect harmony and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts for as members of one body we are called to live in peace and always be thankful mercy kindness humility Gentleness, patience, love, peace. When we live this way, when we do things in this way, it sets us up to be worshiping God. So we're going to end with a couple songs here, and I want to challenge us to move beyond ourselves, beyond our preferences, and just kind of make it about Him. All right, I want to challenge those that don't particularly like this time, to step out of your comfort zone because I really do think that this is an opportunity to worship God on on potentially, I don't want to say on a level that that we don't normally, but but for some of us it is. Like to say, God, I'm going to deny what I want, what I like. I'm going to deny even my comfort zone. And I'm going to say, God, I'm I'm just going to focus on you. And I want to challenge you. Let's, Let's join together. Let's sing together as a church and make it solely about him 
instead of just our desires or our comfort or anything like that. And so let's even just take, take a moment right here. If you want to close your eyes where you're at and just begin to focus on him and say, God, what is it? What is it in my life that I need to adjust my attitude on? What is it in my life that I need to be different? What areas have I made it about me instead of about you? God, just highlight those in our life and and begin to change those even right now.